Welcome to This Is Ibrooks, your weekly Rangers podcast. My name's Martin Douglas, and tonight I am joined by Thomas McIntyre. Tommy, my friend, how are you? I am very, very well. Good evening, gentlemen. Good, good. And we're also joined by Willie Irwin. I nearly forgot your name there, and it says it on the screen. Willie, how are you doing? I'm all good, mate. Thanks. Right, the podcast is available to watch on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash This Is Ibrooks. Also available through the website at thisisibrooks.co.uk and it's available to download where, Tommy? Okay, I'm going to get it this week. Okay. And before I before I go into that, make sure whatever platform you use, if you can, like and subscribe. <laughs> there we go. Job job done, Tommy. Tick that off. Um, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify iTunes, Podbean, coming in your ear, Atron. A and other. A and other, Music Box, um, Jukebox Judy, um, I, I don't know, Napster, <laughs> uh, LimeWire. LimeWire, <laughs> that's that. an old gene, that. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. That's all you're getting off me. Windows Media Player, etc., etc. Yes, um, with the, the funky backgrounds that you used to show <laughs> you. The, uh, yeah, there we go. I should say that I do not endorse downloading anything from LimeWire. Pirate Bay, that was the other one, Pirate Bay that used to get. Pirate Bay, right, let's stop while we're ahead, shall we? Um, I can also just say a big thank you to everybody who watches on YouTube because we have now passed 1,000 subscribers. So if you are watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, the button's somewhere. Um, I think it would be below you. Is it below? There you go, the button's below. Um, Right, gents, we shall kick off um, and we're going to start with some... Rather annoying news, the Rangers released a statement and I will just read it out very quickly. Rangers have been made aware of an incident last night involving two of our players, Jordan Jones and George Edmondson. Both players breached COVID regulations by attending a private gathering with others outside of their household. We can confirm that both players will be suspended pending an internal investigation on the instruction of Dr Mark Waller. The players will also self-isolate for 14 days. Rangers managing director Stuart Robertson commented, the chairman Douglas Park, Ross Wilson, Stephen Gerrard and I discussed this matter as soon as it was brought to our attention. We are completely aligned in our action and the standards that have been set at Rangers. We will not tolerate behaviour that does not follow those standards and is totally unacceptable for any of our players to be involved in anything that puts at risk the excellent protocols that have been put in place at Rangers. Tommy, your reaction? It's exasperation, swiftly followed by anger, isn't it? Um, so first first of all, well, kudos to the club for reacting so swiftly, unequivocally, none of this half-housing, and the players getting immediately suspended. Um, the second point that comes along is probably not so surprised by Jordan Jones, held a lot more surprised and disappointed by George Edmondson. Will these players ever pull on a Rangers jersey again? One sense he's not. Uh, certainly not a first team one. I think they'll be moved out the door fairly swiftly, whether that's you know unequivocally or or moved on or whatever. Jordan Jones has got previous. He's, he's nothing but trouble, and quite frankly, he's enough chances. What's, what's really annoying is nobody listening to this podcast or watching it or anything or any others on it wouldn't give you know your hind teeth, so mm-hmm. to speak, to quote my granny there, to play for Rangers. And he's had the chance and he's done nothing. He's really done nothing. One decent cross against Legia Warsaw. Um, decent goal uh, against Motherwell early in the season. That's it. Yeah, I mean, challenging own from game. Some disciplinary problems behind the scenes by all accounts. And then this. It's a global pandemic. It's bigger than anything. And you've got the squad flying. Everything positive about the club. The fact that we've seen other clubs' players... Uh, do this type of thing, we've been able to kind of have a go at them as well, quite rightly. To do something like this is just so seminally stupid that is unbelievable. And I, I did note just before I, I stop there because I, I might just go a wee bit mm. um, become less calm than I usually am and controlled. Uh, I did see that the Northern Ireland manager Ian Barraclough also came out with a statement, uh, I think in the last hour, saying, uh, I'll paraphrase it, but uh, he's a he's a moron and he's suspended for the next round of international fixtures for Northern Ireland. So he's been dropped from from that squad as well. Um, 
Will I miss Jordan Jones? Nah, he'll mend him. Get get him out. George Edmondson. Ah, I'm pretty disappointed with that one, but I don't see a way back for either of them. Idiots. Idiots. Do you agree, Wally? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not a great one for criticising players. You guys have probably noticed that on the pods, and I don't really do much of that on Twitter either, but it's hugely disappointing that, given everything that's going on, that these two guys decided to go to a private party, knowing that what they were doing was wrong, knowing that it was going to cause issues if they get caught out, which they did, and the clubs had to deal with it. You know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, whenever the club found out about this, that they were hugely disappointed. The manager has put so much effort in to make sure that it's a, you know, it's a squad that everybody's together and that nothing's going to go wrong this season. So for Jordan to do that is immensely stupid. George, I'm disappointed. A bit like Tommy, I'm disappointed in George because he seems like a young kid that maybe he's just made a bad mistake, but it kind of feels as though there isn't a way back for Isla. Um Jordan in particular has had a couple of cracks at doing stupid things and coming away from it, so I think his time's well and truly over. George might get a slight reprieve, but I think it is difficult to see a way back for Isla, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I totally agree, and listen, we could spend an hour talking about this, because a bit like yourself, I'm rather pissed off, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there, gentlemen. But in fact, no, just before we do, the fact that they both went to a party didn't tell anybody and would, would have been more than willing to then walk back into training. That's the bit that really gets me. And how, I mean, yeah, George is a young guy, but he's, and Jordan Jones, I mean, how did they think they weren't going to get spotted? You know, they play for the biggest club in the country. It's a goldfish uh, yeah. pool. They know this. Exactly. And just to speak to Willie's point there as well, because, you know, I'm the same. I think, you know, out of the two of them, you would want to try and rehabilitate George Edmondson and all that kind of stuff. And if it was anything else, if it was coming in late to training or being drunk or mm. telling Stephen Gerrard to F off or anything like that, you can make an argument. Global pandemic. Mm. And it's not just happened yesterday. You know what I mean? It's been everywhere. These players are drilled on the protocols behind the scenes at the club. It's one of the reasons that, you know, we've been held up as a bit of a shining example. And I did note that a government spokes, a Scottish government spokesperson actually lauded the fact that Rangers have reacted really quickly to this mm -hmm. incident as well. So it was nice to see that. But just to expand on what you're saying there for a second, Martin, not only the squad, but that squad travelling to other squads, travelling mm -hmm. into Europe, just the sheer stupidity of it. Mm -hmm. But thankfully from what we hear, because the players were off today, today being Monday, um, the two players in question didn't have any interaction with any other players. So, you know, it does look as if the bubble has been self-sealed, so to speak, um, which is probably the best of a bad a bad story that you can take out. But we don't have to have multiple self-isolations or people dropping out or indeed postponing games. Yeah, stupidity. And it just makes you wonder, you know, have they done it before? But there's no point in, in into all that. Anyways, listen, we shall move on and talk about more happier times and Tommy, actually, I think you called it very right with Poznan. They were a much tougher nut to crack than I think a lot of us expected. I think there was a lot of Rangers fans, listen, we've done really well in Europe the last few years. Um, for the first time, possibly, we were the favourites, but Poznan were no pushovers. No, uh, and uh, and I appreciate you giving me the uh, giving me a bit of a, bit of a clap on the back. They are yeah, I, I'd said I'd said that, and there was just a wee air of complacency with some people. I mean, I did think that we'd beat Poznan at Ibrox. Don't don't me wrong. Uh, and if I was being brutally honest with myself as well, I thought it would be a slightly easier win. Um, but I did think that people got the wrong idea of Poznan because of maybe an indifferent start to the season and that Benfica game just being mm -hmm. around the corner. But I think people were missing the fact that Benfica are a really, really, really good team, particularly <laughs> going forward. And Poznan also had a pretty bad night that night in terms of the back. I think I remember saying last week that they were pretty ropey at the back. Mm -hmm. That's not generally what they're like. They're a really organised and well-drilled side. We saw that version at Ibrox. That said, I don't think we played massively amazingly in terms of being extremely, extremely you know, cutting edge at the top end of the park. But I, I take no great glory of being relatively right. The only thing that concerns me is could Rangers get out with three points? Yep, another clean sheet, points in the bag, six out of six. Let's see what the uh, double header with Benfica brings. And Wally, look, obviously we, we can't criticise. It's 
two wins from two, six points from six. But was there any part of you that was slightly worried about the Rangers' performance in that game? Because at times we played some nice football, but at times it was a wee bit backs against the wall. What the first half, the two teams were almost kind of feeling each other out, it felt like. There wasn't really that much quality in the first half. Um, I think the only note that I really took for the first half was when Barisic put the ball in, Roof seemed to mistime his header. And then I think rather than him leaving it for Ryan Kent, he mm-hmm. tried to do the overhead kick. Yeah. Um, so the first half, uh, both teams were trying to high-press each other because they high-pressed us as soon as the goalkeeper was trying to kick the ball out, which was something different. You know, There's not many teams that come and do that at Ibrooks. I thought their fullbacks were very good. They were aggressive. They were trying to get forward. Um, the boy Ishak, I thought, was lucky to stay on the park. I thought mm-hmm. that tackle was really poor. Yeah, I was surprised that it, it took until the replay that some people were talking about it being a red card because my first thought was he was never catching him and he just put the studs right down the back of his leg and it was dangerous. It could easily have been a red. I think maybe the only thing that surprised me was the amount of changes for the game. I think I marked down there was five changes for the game against Livingston. So that was maybe one or two more than what I thought. But the manager, as we've kind of spoke previously, you know, he's looking to rotate the squad as much as he can because you know, you're trying to keep the fresh legs for the weekend, but you've also got to keep trying to win games. So it's trying to strike that fine balance where you're winning games, but you're resting and recuperating guys as well. Second half, I thought, was better. I thought we upped the tempo. I thought our movement was better. Then, you know... Probably the one thing that changed the match was bringing on Alfredo. Mm-hmm. He's just a different spearhead to what Ruth is. And, you know, we find whatever that was, kind of five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, the ball for Barisic is, is exceptional, you know. But hey, Alfie's got to put his head where there's guys putting their feet. So, you know, fair play to Alfie if I put his head in that position. And I felt after that, we played some really, really nice, some nice football. Poznan were a good team. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that. I think we spoke about that in the last pod or the one before that, where there's a lot of young talent coming through in Poland. And also the guy, Modell, that they'd sold to Brighton but was back on loan, he was good on the night. So, yeah, I think in the end I was just happy that we come away with the 1-0 win and that we were six points for six before we play a huge doubleheader against Benfica. And Tommy, there's obviously been a lot said about Alfie, you know, his performance, he's is he in the right frame of mind, but and a lot of pressure on him. So he came on and he, he scored a, a good header, but that ball for Barisic. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to, and before I get into that, shout out for, uh, I think it was uh, Puches, Puches, um, my pronunciation's probably, uh, probably a little bit off there, um, who was playing on the left-hand side for Lech Bosnian, who was, I thought, exceptional. On the night, definitely one for the definitely one for the watching. Um, but yeah, listen, we know that Bona Barisic can put in exceptional crosses, right? That's the unexceptional thing because he does it every week. <laughs> I think you know it's really good when you've got every ex-professional who's commenting or co- on the game, whether in the studio or whatever, you know, absolutely waxing lyrical about it, and they all wear that's undefendable. That's an amazing ball. That's world class with, with some of the snippets from it. But again, you know, it's two halves to every story. You need to have a great delivery and you need to have somebody who's going to get on the end of it. Now, would that have been a roof type goal? I'm not entirely convinced it would have been. And as Willie says, that's an Alfredo Morelos. So he's off the bench. Seemingly, it's not going well. And I'm actually going to give myself another clap in the, the back because I'd said last week the wheel will turn. Yeah. And he didn't, I don't think he played amazingly well. And at the weekend, he didn't play amazingly well leader but getting the chances you keep working hard sure enough you know you don't lose the ability to get into the places and score goals and actually he met it flushes mm-hmm. flushes hell and he pivots it by the keeper great finish great goal by a really good striker that's and it's Barisic Merlis so none of it's massively surprising it's another good thing for Rangers another guy who can score goals long may that continue <laughs> And while he talked to me again, and do you know what? I feel like I'm asking this question every week, but I thought Glenn Kamara was exceptional. And I think, and, and I was listening back to a few of the older pods, and I believe it was Tommy that said, you know, some players in Scotland play really well in Scotland, but there's just certain players that you know if they went abroad, they would be able to do it. And I think Glenn, and Glenn Kamara is definitely in that category. 
he was he was outstanding. But it's his movement, the way he takes the ball, he passes the ball, he creates space. There's very few players in the league that do it with such the eloquence that he does it. Yeah, well, I think it shows, you know, if you look at the Lee Edge game, it was Ryan Jack that was married the match because he came in and protected the back four in the away game. The home game, obviously, Ryan wasn't in the starting 11. And it was Glenn Kamara and Arfield and Davis who all had good games. But Glenn in particular, it's the way that he controls the game. It's the space that he finds. It's the short, sharp passing that opens up the space. It's just a very intelligent footballer. Somebody that, after all this time, is getting the sort of rave reviews that he deserves. And I think, as we've openly said on here, all of us, you know, the sooner the club get him tied down to a new mm. deal, the better. Because it's going to protect us. Because I keep saying, I think next summer, at this championship, if Glenn goes and performs well, it's going to be a real hassle for Rangers to try and hold on to Glenn. And that's not a bad thing. Because for a guy that basically cost us nothing, mm-hmm. we could end up making 15, 20 million pounds. And I know some people might think that's exaggerated, but in the current marketplace and moving forward, 15, 20 million pounds for a guy that can control a football match isn't a lot of money. How much did it cost, Tommy? <laughs> Do you know what I forget? I think it was, I don't know, <laughs> five, six million or something like that. No, um, yeah. But the, the only thing I'd add to that, because I think we'll leave spot on as well, is if I was I was robbing the lamp and, uh, you know, getting a chance to speak to the genie, uh, then the, the wish would be if Glenn Kamara could just add goals to his game, mm-hmm. then Willie's right. I mean, it would be a straight fight to get him out of the club because clubs would be climbing all over him. Mm-hmm. He's got the technique. He's got the calmness. He's got the ability. He's got, it looks sometimes lethargic, but actually he covers the ground really, really well. We've talked all about all the stuff he does with the ball. I am very well aware that you two on this pod and no doubt lots of other listeners and watchers also realise without the ball, he is extremely intelligent as well. The way he moves to cut space Mm -hmm. and be in the right place, that football brain that Willie references there. But if he could just add goals, then my word, stick another, stick another couple of million on that price tag. Absolute star find, star find. And do you know what? Not even overreacting. I genuinely feel he's the kind of player. I mean, you could put him in that Arsenal team, you know, and he would fit in seamlessly the way he plays into that Man City team. I'm not saying that he's a world class player or anything. I'm just saying the way that he plays the game, he would fit into a, a team like that. Absolutely no problems. Well, it's no surprise that I, I get what you mean there, right? Because people would howl and say, "Well, he's no Man City, right?" Nah. And all that, and, and I would get that. I think he could probably play in that Arsenal team. But he came out of their academy, obviously, and it's the mm. same sort of style of play that you know Pep Guardiola would have at um, mm. at Man City as well. And it just you know, without going off on a tangent, um, I think Arsenal were playing the other night. They were playing Ma- Manchester United um, and playing in italics, maybe because it was a right <laughs> round run game, but. <laughs> You know, Glenn Kamara versus um, in, in an Arsenal shot instead of uh, Mohamed El Nene, mm-hmm. for, for example. You know, and I think El Nene costs something like 20 million. Mm-hmm. And you would take Glenn Kamara every day of the week. I don't think there's any physique issues. There's no athleticism issues. He's a better player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I could see him definitely, definitely be able to com- compete in that type of arena. And I think just to go back before I do stop, well, he's absolutely right. If he has a good international tournament with mm-hmm. Finland, then it's, uh, yeah. But it's also really exciting to see a Rangers player go to an international tournament and all that. But yeah, it's, uh, do you know what it reminds me of? Arthur Newman playing in the World Cup when you knew he'd signed yeah. uh, and he was going with Holland and all that. Yeah, uh, just thought I'd chuck that in for you there, Martin, as well. <laughs> Any link, back to, uh, back to uh, Newman. But yeah, but listen, six points for six, absolutely fantastic. And we shall come to speak about the Benfica game a wee bit later on. But, well, Sorry, I, can I, I just I, jump in for a second, Martin? Yeah. My apologies. Question, question to you both guys. Uh, am I right? Does that where does that place us in the coefficient rankings? There, are we just ahead of Ukraine? Just, just ahead of Ukraine, yeah. I think so. I think we're in eleventh position now. Is it eleventh? Yeah, right. Okay. I think last time I checked, it was eleventh. And does eleven does eleventh place or is it tenth place gives you an automatic yeah. CL? I think it's eleven. Is it eleven? Okay, thanks, guys. I know, I know, and yeah, the SPFL doesn't need Rangers. But we shall move on, Molly, and I want to talk to you about these new Rangers retro kits that have been brought out. Now, I could have asked this question to Tommy straight away, but I know his answer. You know, he would wear a bin bag with a Rangers badge on it. So what do you think of the kits? Yeah, look, they very much remind me of the kind of early kits when I was growing up. You know, just the kind of plain blue with the Rangers crest on it. Very simple. 
I thought they were quite elegant, you know, because that was very much how I grew up. Those jerseys, it wasn't until maybe I was in my teens that they started putting these mad, you know, patterns on them and obviously the Adidas stripes and all these other things became attached to them. But look, I mean, I'm like an old school guy. I like the playing jersey. I think it's very smart. I understand some people with the price is an issue. I completely understand that. I'm, I've never criticised people that, that won't spend whatever it was, £68 plus the five fifty delivery. If you need £68 for the adults and £50, well, £50 yeah, look, pound for the kids. It's a lot of money. You know, let's not sit here and say it's not a lot of money because it is, you know, it's quite clear to everybody in the world right now that there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So let's not sit here and say that £68 isn't a lot of money because it is. You know, when people handed over their money for their season ticket, that was a, a shitload of money, let's be honest. I mean, that was a lot of money for which literally like now looks like we might never get inside the stadium this season. So we basically paid that money for a Rangers TV subscription. Mm-hmm. So the people have possibly already bought the first kit, the second kit and the third kit, and then for a retro kit to come out, it might have made a little bit of sense to make it like 40 quid or 35 quid, where it's almost like a wee thank you to the supporters to say, look, this is something we've been looking at. We think it's a good idea for a Christmas present. This is what we're looking at. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's go ahead with that. So 68, it does seem steep. And maybe Castor need to look at these things that when you're charging that amount of money, it maybe has to be that that's maybe the top, the shorts and the socks, you know, rather than the top being like 68, the shorts were about 30, 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. I think that's too much, but that's just my personal opinion. Well, listen, I think they're going to, and I could be wrong here, but I think they're going to use them in the cups this year. Yeah. But, but Tommy, like Willie says, you know, six to eight pound for a for a top after you've bought your season ticket, your my jers, you know, you've went and spent your money in the shops and a new kit plus all the training gear. I mean, is there a specific reason that Rangers have brought it out this year compared to possibly bringing out a a retro kit in a couple of years' time? We can look at it several ways. You know, I sometimes think that the the board at Rangers, or certain people at Rangers, I should say, uh, think that you just need to type in a four-digit code into the fan base and money gets Mm -hmm. spat out. Um, These are exceptional circumstances and the club is trying to plug gaps in the income stream. I think we all appreciate that. Uh, I think it's an ongoing scandal that Castor's free shipping is set at £150 on their order basis. do I like the retro kits? Yes, I do. Do my, my best Alan McGregor there. Nice. Um, <laughs> the time frame you talk about there is because I don't think it's probably going to be any great surprise that we'll get a Founders one next year, mm-hmm. the anniversary. So it's a cash grab. You know, it's part of the Castor offering, right? And cash grab's probably a, uh, a less um, polite way of putting what I really meant was, which was, you know, we signed up to a deal with Castor and they'd obviously had this in mind as well. And so they've pushed out a retro kit just before Christmas. Right. So, you know, there, there you are. Could they have changed the price point considering, uh, you know, given what Willie was saying that I absolutely totally agree with that. I think they could have changed the price point and why the retro kit needs a pro version. Mm-hmm. Um, sends you into that questioning, which goes back to where Rangers did drop the ball, which was sports directs website saying this is the 2021 Cup strip. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- there you go. There's my years. You've got a pro kit. But could they have changed the price point to help people out? I absolutely think they could. I'd imagine that's tied into the uh, agreement that we signed with Castor, not to go back and be negative. One would hope that these retro kits stand up to a washing machine slightly better than the, the original ones, and they don't have variations to them like the, the original ones that came out did as well. Well, nice strips. Price could have been changed, um, but you know what? I think we are growing ever ever more conscious that football is a business, and Rangers are now our business and run accordingly. It's no surprise. That that is it, and I totally agree with everything Tommy said there, Willie. And that and that is the point. Football is a business, but when we're in times that we've never ever seen before, are Rangers and Castor treating the fans fairly here by bringing us out? Is it a cash grab? Are they taking advantage? Or are they quite right to bring it out and whatever supporters can afford to buy it, buy it? Look, I think it's always been the case that if you can afford to buy something, then you'll buy it. 
mean, personally, for the last maybe 15 years, for me personally, I've never bought like a, a jersey, like a home jersey or a away jersey, etc. Mm. I'm, I'm much more comfortable with like, a t shirt, a polo shirt. I've always kind of wore that. Um, you know, I bought like some hats. So, I, so, football jerseys for me, it's maybe for the younger guys. I, I kind of feel as well, I'll probably never buy another one. Just, that's just me. And like the price of the kits, as I say, like I guess going to keep going up and up and up. I think like some of the kits down in England now are close to like hundred pounds, mm-hmm. which yep. is hardly a lot of money for a parent to have to fork out for a for a kid once they've got the name on the back of it and they buy the shorts and the socks and it is a lot of money. But you know, so the people that can afford it buy it. If you can't afford it, then that's absolutely fine as well. But you know, that's where social media comes into its own where People can be critical. People can be happy. People can post their pictures. That's how it works. Not everybody will be able to afford every single thing in the English shop. So that's just how it is. Yeah. No. So I'm just about to say, Tommy's in agreement there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I echo that specific point at the end there. Nobody's holding a gun to anybody's head to buy these things. Um, there is pressure. Social media probably adds to that as well. Um, uh, and, you know, in the, the club's marketing sometimes adds to that. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, they're putting a product out there and it's up to people if they want to, to purchase it. The standing rules apply. It doesn't make you any less of a fan if you don't buy it and don't put yourself in debt to, to get these things. You know, the, the club will survive. But um, aye, there you go. It's as simple as that. Just well, go buy it. my missus has told me that I'm not allowed to get one and she's still um, no happy that Adam hasn't sent me through a This Is iBooks t-shirt yet. So, Well, we've all got ours. I know, I know. I should just bookend all of that, by the way, by saying, uh, but make sure if you are buying the retro kit, you select where you're buying it from really carefully so the money goes back to the club directly. Right, there you go. by anybody else. That just proves that I've not been on the cast store website yet. <laughs> but listen, gents, let's move on and we'll come to the commandment game, Tommy, and I don't think it can be underestimated just how big a win that was. Huge, huge, huge win. And we spoke about this last week as well. We spoke about um, the mentality of the mentality of consistency and the momentum of winning. There we go. That's two two phrases I'm going to try and coin this evening. Um, and that spoke to, you know, I, I don't want to go back to what I said last week, but we'd let Celtic back in mm-hmm. in terms of the original Levy result, the draw, and then the Hibs result. But then we go to Parkhead and we beat them easily. And then we see them drop points at Pataudry and we capitalise. And then we had a chance because they had such a nonsense game uh, in their own schedule. A chance to go nine points clear. A difficult venue where we've struggled and there was a wee bit of a hoodoo. And everybody was hoping that we'd go and get a couple of early goals. We got a penalty. Well, very well taken penalty, by the way. Mm-hmm. But we got it. And why, why the... Um, why the penalty was up for debate by any pundit, I will never know, right? I mean, the guy is essentially get one of those big foam hands out and bats it away, you know what I mean? Um, so we're really well taken, and then you're hoping, get a couple more, put this this mob to bed, and it didn't happen, mm-hmm. and we missed a couple of good chances, and then you get to those last 15 minutes, and the rain's sheeting down, and they've stuck Kirk Broadfoot up into the, the box just to mess it up as well, and you're saying... I've seen this movie before, they're going to get one, and then a wee squidgy one in the last minute, that free kick for Eamon Brophy, you think that's going through the wall and something's going to happen, we've seen it before, this is where it derails. No, we stand up to it, and actually, you know, smart move from Gerard. it have been unpopular in some sections, but smart move, I'm going to take off an attacker, I'm going to put on Leon Balogun, I'm going to shut the door on this because it's all about the consistent three points, and you know what, final whistle goes, Rangers, Tactical clean sheet, difficult venue, job done, no injuries on that terrible, terrible pitch. We'll take a truckload of pies. We're away back up the road. Thanks very much. Bye-bye, Kelly. Perfect scenario. I'll take that every day of the week. Absolutely. And listen, I'd like both your opinions on this, but Wally, I'll come to you first. You know, me, I'm forever the pessimist. Obviously, the Livingston game at home, the second half performance, mm, wasn't great. Maybe first half we should have buried them. Kilmarnock, we should have buried them in the first half we didn't and the second half performance wasn't great. Now, it's all well and good when you're winning these games and you go nine points clear and the garden's rosy. But is that worrying going forward? 
No, I don't think it's worrying. I think it's just a one of those things where like players are coming in and out of the team and it's trying to yet again strike that balance. Yet again, for the Thursday night to the Sunday, we made another five changes. So yet again, there's that you know, kind of change over of players. Um, also, so you've got Jack coming back into the team. You've got Aribo coming back into the middle of the park. You've got Hellander coming in for Balligan. Um, you've got Itting coming in in the wide position and Alfredo through the middle. So there's a slight kind of tweak to how we play because the manager, I, th- I don't know if they kind of pinpointed the boy Waters, but they mm. seem to look to try and play on him with Itting because he's so much bigger and stronger. And it, you know, it allowed us to take the ball up the park a bit higher, take the ball into feet, get the ball to Aribo, get the ball to Kent. So I'm, I thought that was a really good part of the game for the manager and the coaching staff. I mean, the first half, I quite a lot of notes. I think it was like sort of Joe's chance on the edge of the box. You know, you would fancy Joe to take that. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's usually got a bit of time on the ball. He normally places his shot. Whereas this one, he seemed to put a bit more power in it and it just skied over the bar. I agree with Tommy. I mean, I don't really know how anybody could complain about the penalty. The guy nearly caught the ball. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not really too sure. I mean, the only worst penalty this weekend, I don't know if you've seen it, it was the Ross County game with Dundee United where the guy Vigers actually had the ball like, under his arm. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the highlights. Like, it's incredible. I know. So you're like, there's. I mean, there's some penalties are are quite clear. Um, but even after that, we had another couple of good chances. You got Arfield where he stole the ball. He's a shot that went off target. Um, Barisic played the through ball to Ken, and then he found Aribo, and I think he put it across for it, and he was unlucky. Um, then there was a couple of kind of half chances, but then the second half we just seemed to kind of lose our tempo. There was Kent's ones as well. Uh, Kent, Kent's one as well, Willie, where he goes right. kind of half scuffs it. Aye. Well, actually, sorry, Tommy, can I just come to you quickly then? Is there maybe too much rotation being used by Gerard? I mean, hindsight, look, we've won the games. The tactic, he's done really well tactically to win the games. But is five changes each match maybe just affecting the continuity a wee bit? I think you answered your own question there. And in case you haven't, I'll, I'll show you where mine is, which is no. Right, and I think this is Willie will jump in and tell me if, if I get him wrong, but I think this is where Willie was going as well, right? So I think we're in agreement, which is yeah, the performances haven't been stellar, right? But you've managed to rotate your squad coming off of European games and stuff like that. You've continued to win, and we'd have a conversation about games where Rangers should have put teams away because they made the chances. Mm-hmm. If we were talking about we've scraped it or there's a draw in there or we haven't created the chances, mm-hmm. then you've got the rotation question comes into it. But actually, it's just been somebody like a Kent is a wee bit off the boil or, you know, Roof's made a silly decision to try and overhead up. Can't blame him having banged in a 56-yarder <laughs> a couple of days before, right? But, you know, that type of thing. Or Itton not getting on end or something or a Rebo not being his usual calm self in the box. The rotation's, the rotation's fine for me. We're getting the results that our performances do still deserve and somebody will get a pasting off us because we're making those chances. You know, our forward line and our midfield line will not continue to miss as much as they, they kind of really are. So, no, nah, it's, a, it's a fairly fairly moot point for me. I'm quite comfortable with it. And, Wally, listen, tell me if you agree or disagree, but I actually thought Cedric Itton coming in, not having a lot of game time, I thought he played really well. I thought Cedric had a very good game. I thought his hold-up play was good. His movement was good. He created a couple of chances for himself. He put a couple of good balls across the box for Alfredo. I couldn't really understand after the games how people criticising them. No, I didn't understand that either. I start to worry about games people are watching. Yeah, you know, I think there's people that watch football and they listen to commentators and that's where their opinion comes from. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people that get their opinion off of other people rather than maybe watching the game. Then there's obviously guys that like sort of are very good at analysing the game and they can see where things are happening in the game. So there's a lot of different like sort of supports within the football club in terms of how people see the football match. I mean, in that second half, see for all the fact we didn't play that well, they really only had one chance and that was a free kick. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a couple of decent balls into the box, which I think like the boy Kabamba kind of scuffed his header and the one where Broadfoot got the header. But if you actually look back at that entire game, like sort of they created like no real guilt-edged chances to score. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Brophy's free kick. Yeah, it's a good strike, but I would expect Alan McGregor to save that 100 times out of 100. So if you look back at that game and you analyse the game and you look at, you know, the passing, the movement, the stuff, yeah, the first half was much better than the second half, but we still had a lot of control in the second half. 
But when a team starts pumping 50, 60 yard balls into the box and cut Broadfoot's up front, of course it's going to cause a few issues. Mm-hmm. That'll be causing an issue for a lot of teams. Because you went from a team that's playing a certain style and playing a certain way to all of a sudden, right, guys, last five minutes, let's just start popping that ball into the box. And that's when Gerard, as Tommy says, is very smart. Right, Alfie, off, Leon, you're on, three centre-backs. We are protecting our lead here. You know, so when that ball goes into the box, at least one of you attack it, and the other two is there for the breakdown. And we did enough to see the game out. And I think I even put a wee note down in the last, whatever it was, like the three or four minutes of stoppage time, we pretty much had the ball that entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it's, you know, the board goes up, we get the ball, we get the ball high up the pitch, we want to keep free kick in the corner, we slow the game down, we see the game out, game over. It was a very professional performance, and given how poor our performances and results have been at Rugby Park over the last two or three years, I was delighted with the 1-0 win. Well, just a, a, a small bookend to that, you guys know I love a, I love a bookend. Um, so three the anyway. must be full of them. Exactly, that's what they're right behind me on the screen. Um, that, uh, there's no pages in them. Again. Um, it was always the ball that did it. But just three very, very quick things from that as well, which I think are worth pointing out. That one, there will be some elements of the support that say um, Rangers shouldn't be hanging on against Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. You know what? We weren't playing amazing. We got in front and it's a difficult venue. So if that mandate's sticking on the third centre bank and taking off Alfie, then I'm quite happy with that as long as we get the three points. So horses for horses for courses and all that. And just going back to Itton, there was two things on that. One, and Neil McCann, who is again the best pundit in the country, right? By by and large, I'll brook no arguments on that, right? Um, was pointing out, well, Rangers decided to go long, you know, and get Kamal McTurnan instead of playing in front of them. I think Stephen Gerrard commented on it as well afterwards. And one of the things that allowed that was. Cedric Itton and the way he was playing but also as people were watching because he maybe wasn't on the ball as much as you would you would want but actually he's running off the ball mm-hmm. and dragging players out of uh, position and people having to double up because he was targeting waters and all that kind of thing was really really important and allowed Rangers to do some of that and it shouldn't go amiss so when people sometimes are saying oh he didn't bang in a hat trick or you know, didn't get a goal or whatever sometimes you have to do the dirty work you know, and Cedric Inton did a hell of a lot of dirty work. The kind of stuff that Alfredo Morelos gets praised for, mm-hmm. yep. Inton did and didn't get the praise. He did a hell of a shift uh, after just coming back from injury and get, still getting up to speed. And he hasn't complaining about that. He just does the dirty work. That's a really good sign and deserves to be called out. And listen, just finally on the game, Wally, look, difficult venue to go. We win 1-0. Can the fans be forgiven now for maybe getting just a wee bit overexcited? Well, I think the fans should be delighted with where we are. You know, we've did what we had to do. We've been to some really tough venues in this early part of the season. We've had some of our toughest away games, whereas, you know, across the other side of Glasgow, they've still probably got to go to these places that we've already been. You know, they've still to come to Ibrox, they've still to go to Easter Road. You know, they're tough places. You know, we've already had to go to Parkhead. We've had to go to Easter Road. You know, we've had to go to Petodre. We've had to do the hard yards as well. So, yeah, we're in a good position. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. We know where we are. We still need to kind of work on one or two things. Maybe we need to be a bit more clinical at times. But taking everything into consideration with the European games, with the manager making these changes to keep the freshness, no, I'm delighted with where they are right now and hopefully we can continue that on over the coming weeks. And, of course, on Sunday, we won at a place that they dropped points as well. Um, but Tommy, I see when I asked that question, you had a wee smile on your face. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, um, I, nobody should be getting carried away. No. Right? There are similarities between last season and this season, right? And it's all about kicking on in the second part of the season, the the, the, the kind of, uh, the pointy end, right? But, and that's not me being doom and gloom, right? That's a great, great start. To say, was it, uh, you know, I think we've only, we've only dropped four points, Right. And I'm not going to duplicate what Willie's just said there, you know, which is absolutely spot on. You look at the difficult circumstances, the uh, uniqueness of this particular season with no fans and all that kind of stuff, and you can say that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever, right? The fact that we've played our European games as well in between that, we've went to Pataudry, we've went to Parkhead, we've went to Easter Road, albeit we, we drew there as well, and we'll continue to kick ourselves about that mm-hmm. because it's just a great app, you know, 
uh, strange performance from us that night, although we still scored two. You know, we've been to some really difficult... Out with that, the only other difficult venue that I would think domestically is Tynecastle, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not going to be playing there that's, this season. So, you know, you're ticking them off and you're going, hold on a minute, you've come out and you've only dropped four points and really that would shoot yourself in the foot material. You know, mm-hmm. Libby being the outlier, right? Because you could say Hibs is a difficult game, but Libby was just one where we kind of stick it in the back of the net. Bad day of the office. I would get one, would I get five, you know what I mean, type of scenario. But then, as Willie Quigley says, looks across the city, they need to do it. And the really important thing for me is we've went and we've done it and we're not sitting here saying, oh, we're neck and neck and they, they can only go three points ahead of us mm-hmm. or a point ahead of us if they win their game. No, no, we have done our job and it's for them to chase us now and the timing's quite good. We just need to do what exactly Stephen Gerrard's been saying since day one, right? Find the level of consistency. We keep putting these teams away, whether it be uh, in the rain 1-0, a la Kelly, or uh, everybody wants to go back to their bed 2-0 against Livy, <laughs> or uh, barnstorming um, Kutten Buster because a defender gets two goals, old firm game. I'll take all of them. I'll, t- I'll take all of them as long as I get my three points and I get to me and I'm sitting with the brasso out because I'm getting ready to polish something. It's as simple <laughs> as that. And by the way, just just I just heard that in my own mind. They're polishing a trophy. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, Tommy, listen, just just finishing uh, well, on what <laughs> just finishing on what you said there, and I, I think it was an an ex uh, Rangers manager who once said, "We welcome the chase." So, well, yeah, and yes, Mister Truth called it correctly. So let them come after us. We welcome the um, chase. Aye, um, Right, Tommy, just sticking with you, um, I haven't mentioned them yet in any questions because I want to have a wee in-depth look at Mr. Connor Goldson. Just how important is he to this Rangers team? <laughs> he's, he's very important, so I'm still laughing at the polish myself. We're going to get that edited out. Uh, no, listen, he's he's an absolute he's an absolute rock. Well, he's, he's Stephen Gerrard's go-to. You know, people cycle round about him. He's the constant. Um, so he's the... Been too grandiose. He's the son that the planets orbit around in terms of that, you know, consistent back four. Although, by and large, Rangers have a consistent back five now. It's McGregor, it's Tav, it's Borna, it's it's uh, Goldson, and it's AN other, mm-hmm. right? And I, I still sense that it's, uh, I still sense that it's Hellander, but he's still coming back to fitness, which is why Balligan comes back in and um, Hellander plays the, I think, would really down in my heart what are the more important games which are the domestic ones because we really want to win the title right um so yeah but we're talking about Connor Goldson so obviously got a, a strong character in and of himself to decide to come up to Scotland and go over the the heart issues that he'd had which almost derailed his entire career um He's been through his troubles as well. He went through, I think I called him the F.A. Ambrose stage where every pro, every mistake he was making, and defenders make mistakes, all players do it, but every single one that he seemed to do was a high-profile gaffe. I think Hamilton, I think the old firm game, stuff like that, it led to a goal. But he's obviously continually impressed. He's, he's the captain, you know, if Tav isn't there. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that type of thing. He's a big talker and a big organiser. With no fans, you get to hear it in real time now. Um, he's obviously stepped up his game though because I think his performances this season have been the best since he arrived at Rangers and something he must have worked on is his distribution out from the back phenomenal which I think has been absolutely top drawer by and large and then you stick a you go that's a really nice cake in terms of performances how do I make that better well I'm going to Paul <laughs> Hollywood it I'm going to stick a wee glass of cherry on the top I'm going to I'm going to go one better than the late great uh, Ugo Ekiog and I'm going to score two goals at Parkhead in an old firm game um, and, and take the three points. And that's a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement as well. He is absolutely integral mm-hmm. to the performance of this team. And a final shout out before uh, I, let, I let Willie jump in as well is because I spoke about Tav in this vein as well a couple of weeks back on this specific point. And it's worthwhile calling out Connor Goldson for it as well. But our centre-back, he's hardly ever suspended, which speaks to his ability to read the game and put in the challenge at the right time. But more importantly, I don't want to jinx the poor guy, his injury return is absolutely phenomenal. He does not seem to break down. Niggles don't seem to get to him. And he obviously has niggles and he plays through them. 
and you can't speak enough about that type of thing where he keeps going back to the well to use Steven Gerrard's phrase. Fantastic. And we're really building a strong unit there, which the clean sheets speak to. Well, as usual, Tommy takes away every single question I've got and his answer, which is absolutely fantastic. Sticking them off in my mind as I was. Um, to be fair, I kept talking there to stop myself from laughing because I'm still thinking about the polishing myself thing. Uh, so my apologies to both you and Willie. Uh, but Willie, listen, Tommy's mentioned a, a lot there about Goldson, and obviously he mentioned coming up up there up here from having a a very serious heart operation. Now. See the fact that he is never injured and he is so consistent, apart from maybe the odd one or two mistakes, but everybody makes them. Has he slightly underrated, do you think, by the Rangers' support? I've always been a big fan of Connors, pretty much to the outset. I think he's one of these guys who has got a certain presence about him. And I think it's maybe more so noticeable because of the fact you can hear him. A lot of times at games, you never hear what players are saying when they're talking, they're shouting. To me, he's always been a leader for the first day he walked in the door. You know, when you look back at some of the early performances in Europe with him and Katic, you know, the big performances and, you know, to get through that first couple of rounds are never easy in Europe, especially when you just walk through the door. Mm -hmm. He basically signed a 25-year-old centre-back who had missed, like, two years of football. You know, we, we took a chance on this guy, and it wasn't cheap. I mean, I think it was between three and four million pounds, I think, at the time. I didn't get mm -hmm. the exact figure online. And I think another thing I checked it out... He averages, over the last two seasons, he's averaging between 50 and 60 games a season. Wow. So a guy that's just over a heart condition, mm -hmm. we paid three or four million pounds for, has basically played every single game for two and a bit years. He basically doesn't miss a game. He doesn't miss league games. He gets the odd rest in like the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, where we felt that we could give him a rest. He's basically played every single European game. He obviously plays through problems maybe his knees, his legs, his feet, whatever. He just he just seems like one of these guys a bit like Tav, who doesn't complain, he doesn't make an issue of things, he just gets on the pitch and does it. And yeah, just like every other defender, yeah, he's made mistakes. But you know what? He never hides. No. He's back okay. in the team the next week and he's winning headers and he's tackling everything. And you hear him, I would say more so this year, you hear him, he's constantly talking. He's talking to the midfield. He's talking to the strikers. He's talking to the fullbacks. There's just constant communication. And he's up there with Kamara. You know, Connor's now got, what, like a year and a half left in his deal. He's not 28 until December. When did defenders hit their prime? 29, 30, 31. I would give Connor another two or three years easily. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I, well, no, listen, Willie, you've just, again, you've just took away my next question. You're <laughs> <You're at it laughs> as well, but, but Tommy, listen, I was just about to say, we talk about Glenn Kamara, we talk about James Tavenier, we talk about Alfredo Morelos in terms of being sellable assets. Conor Goldson's never kind of mentioned in that conversation. And like Willie says, a year, a year and a half to go on his contract, I would imagine he's happy here, he would sign a new contract. But is he somebody that because you mentioned his distribution for the backs really improved. Is he somebody that we should be maybe wary of losing? Oh, definitely. I think I think we're at least on. You know, you would tie Connor Goldson down to a, a longer term contract, and a, and a, oh, I certainly would in a heartbeat. He is a very, very, very good defender who has, by and large, never let Rangers down. Mm -hmm. But you know, by and large, you know, mistakes are everybody makes them, so to speak. Uh, and he's he's ever ever present. You know, it's. Guys like that are hard to hard to come by. Considering how many games we play, and kudos to Willie for the for the stat in terms of appearances and stuff for that. You know, we're not talking bog standard. I do my thirty six games or mm -hmm. whatever, and that's it. You never see me again. You know, you're going to the well a hell of a lot as a squad, and he's a, another present. And his performances are really really good. So yeah, time time down. I think other teams would absolutely be watching him. You know, the the thing would have been, I imagine, with. Uh, Connor Goldson and one of the reasons why we were able to get him, um, and I think it, I think Willie's right. It was in that three to, to four million pot, is because he he had had some of those medical issues, and so his rising career had, let's say, plateaued a bit. And people would have been, you know, but if we're speaking bluntly here, people would have been went, do we want to get a chance on this guy when he might, I think, might break down. He's come up here and he's completely rehabilitated himself. Rehabilitated himself, as I'll just rehabilitate that sentence there because <laughs> I haven't put my teeth in. You know, he's, he's done that and he's shown that it's not just the performances. 
which are really good. It's the performances domestically and Europe, which are good. And it's the consistency of the performances doing your 50 or 60 games a season. Aye, that puts them right back on people's radar. Considering this is the guy who came out of a premiership club. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we're not talking somebody who jumped up for the championship and we took a gamble on. He was already on a premiership books. So I obviously, Tommy, just to just to jump in there, you're saying Tommy, that yeah. a Premiership club that did not want to lose him. Uh, absolutely, it's a really good point, Martin. Really good point. So I'd be surprised if he's not still on the uh, the radars of several Premiership clubs, considering he's now proven that he can do that longevity piece and get back to the standards. Um, another wee thing, just to throw into, not to link everything in a negative fashion, but. You would also want to tie him down, given that Rangers, I imagine, will be on the hunt for another centre-back pretty soon, mm. um, given what we spoke about at the start of the, yeah. the pod. And you've got the ongoing concerns about Nikola Katic, because it's never easy to come back from that type of injury. And I think Balogun was only a, a, a year. year or a two-year deal. I think it was only a, it was it may have been a year deal with a year's extension or something yeah. like that. So, so all of a sudden you're looking at that centre-back piece, which looks really rosy at the moment. Yeah. actually being relatively threadbare when you get towards the back end of the season. So, I mean, Rangers will bring in another one if they get rid of Edmondson anyway, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's short term or whatever. But I definitely tie him down. Tie him down to a, a contract. Yeah. If nothing else, you protect the asset. Exactly. No, listen, he's been absolutely phenomenal and a, one of the big reasons why we've kept such a good clean sheet record this season as well. But listen, gents, we shall move on and we're going to come on to Benfica, Wally. Now, I forgot to ask you to do some research. You've already done some research. So tell us just how difficult a game this is going to be. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say, I think as in most people's views, this is the toughest team in the group. You know, when you look at the money they've spent in the summer, the kind of 22 million on Darwin Nunez, 18 million on Everton, uh, 16 million on Pedrinho, 13.5 million on Volchmidt and Otamendi. Um, they got a Defender in loan for Barcelona. I think his name's Todibo, if that's how you say it. He was apparently highly sought after. A lot of clubs were trying to sign him on deadline day, but he went to Benfica. So they've started their season with five straight wins. They're currently 1-0 down to Boa Vista at the moment. It looks as though they've got their strongest team out. So the fact they're playing tonight and then they're having to play again on Thursday, it'll be interesting to see how you know they react to that because obviously they'll need to fly over to Scotland on the Wednesday and then playing in the Thursday, so it'll be interesting to see if they make changes. The Lech Poznan game was quite a tight game up until the last minute, obviously, when they get the fourth goal. Mm. I mean, there's definitely vulnerabilities defensively. For all they've got, like Vertonghen and Otamendi and Tadebo, I would like to think that if we can create some chances, we might be able to take them. Going forward, they do look as though they're a real threat. Seferovic, Volschmidt and Nunez, they're pretty much scoring regularly, whether it's in the league or in Europe. So, let's be honest, it's going to be a tough double-header of games, but we've played against very good Portuguese opposition in the last couple of years in Porto and Braga, so there certainly isn't anything to fear, but I'm sure the manager will show a huge amount of respect to a team that's spent all that money, that's full of international footballers, and at the moment, out with this Boa Vista score, which is like 35 minutes into the game, they've pretty much won every single game. Well, Tommy, listen, obviously, looking at Steven Gerrard's European record, the teams have come up against, the teams have beat, the teams have got results against that you maybe wouldn't expect us to. What's the expectation going away to Benfica? Well, it's a really good question. So, I mean, you, and uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to duplicate, you know, Willie's uh, fantastic research there. Although I agree with, particularly what he was saying about the, uh, about the players and the and the squad that Benfica seem to have. I think uh, Willie, keep me right. They're joint joint top with Sporting. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they're an expensively assembled side, all of which is enough padding for me whilst I cycle through how I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> so I'll finally get to it, um, which is very difficult. I would say that... Would this be the hardest game we've faced in Europe? No, hardest game was Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. Obviously, take away Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, because I think they're still the best team that we've, we've yeah, faced yeah, in, yeah. This, uh, in this kind Part of... Hard Bayer Leverkusen. Part. I think they're definitely up there. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah, I will say I, I expect Benfica to give us the toughest test outside of outside of Bayer Leverkusen. And I think they'll be really strong at home. Do I think they're unbeatable? Which I think is the heart of your question. No, I don't think they're unbeatable. I think Rangers could take something off them. And we've shown that we can 
be tactically flexible and we can perform away. Braga, Porto, Fiorial, similar types of teams. Um, so yeah, we'll be in it. We'll need to be very solid and rely on people like Connor Goldson, who we just mentioned a couple, a couple of minutes ago. Um, and we're going to have to do what we haven't done recently, and that's take our chances mm-hmm. immediately, because I'm not entirely sure we'll get tons of them. I would, I'll, I'll take a draw. I'll take a draw, and that not only will I be happy with the point, but I'll also say I think that's what the result is going to be. I think it will be a draw. Well, that's the thing, Wally. I mean, pretty much the same question to you about, you know, the way that Rangers have played in Europe. Would it surprise you if we rocked up to Benfica and got a draw or even a win? The way that Rangers have played in Europe? No, like having been at some of the away games in the last kind of two seasons, I certainly have always been in my confidence. I mean, that night in Porto, even when we fell behind, we still felt as though we were going to create chances. And on the night, we could have actually won the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the night over in Braga, we had a bit of a rocky start, but then we missed the penalty. And then obviously Kent scores the winner. So I think I think amongst the support, there's always a belief that we can go and get something. Will Benfica be a very good team? Yes. Will they have a lot of attacking threats on the pitch? Absolutely. And I think the one thing you can guarantee is they'll all be very good technical footballers. Yeah. The Portuguese, the Brazilians, the Argentinians, the Uruguayans are always good like that. What we can do is try and get them turned. I don't think Bertongan or Otamendi or Tadibo will enjoy playing against Alfredo because mm-hmm. I think Alfredo will start. I think it will be a good night for Kent. And I think Tommy's favourite guy might possibly start on that right-hand side, Barker. I think they might try and use pace against him. Um, I just want to take back my. Uh, I just want to take back the fact that I think it's going to be a draw. Then, Wally, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the midfield three will be the interesting ones to pick. I think when you look at Kamara, to me, he's a gimme, and I think you've got to play Ryan Jack because you've got to offer the extra protection. Mm-hmm. But the other spot is literally a fight to see who gets that one. And I still, I just have a feeling that Barker will start. I don't know. I mean, I might be totally out of left field and it might not be even in the squad kind of thing, but I just think that in these games, if you're looking to hit them on the break, then Barker and Kent are probably your best two options. No offence to Yanis. He's not getting that same turn of pace to get beyond somebody. Yeah, he can create chances that can maybe get as a goal. But I just got a funny feeling that Barker will start. But I agree with Tommy, we're going to have to be at our very, very best defensively. You know, they've got exceptional middle to front. They are deadly in front of goal. They're very clinical. Just as I say that, I bet 365 notifications cropped up to say it's 2 nothing to Boa Vista. So obviously... Boa Vista, yeah. <laughs> uh, other, other, other book, bookmakers are available. Yep. So I think it's just one of those ones. You've, just, you've got to like, get into the game with the right mindset. I think the players all have a lot of belief having been to Portugal and got the results in previous seasons. And yeah, look, I'm I'm a bit like Tommy. I think we can come away with something from the game. Um, I do think we'll do well to keep a clean sheet, so I think it might be a score draw. Right, well, listen, actually, taking that point to you, Tommy, you mentioned earlier on that you felt as if Gerard put more of his first team out in the SPFL compared to Europe, because obviously... That's the most important thing this year. Does the fact, and I mean no disrespect to Hamilton, I do a wee bit, but does the fact that we're playing Hamilton on Sunday make his selection slightly easier for Europe? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I didn't say that. I, I made I made it just about Hellander only. My apologies. Don't you don't you misquote me, Douglas. My apologies. Uh, you're at it again. <laughs> um, every week with you. Jeez, oh my. Meanwhile, I just keep notes on this. To keep <laughs> now he's getting worse. Ah, exactly. That's a straight yellow, right? I'm uh, just waiting on my hair growing. That's that's you put your hand up, so that's a second yellow, right? Uh, the ball hit off it. But uh, no, I, I, I do actually agree with the premise that you make, right? Let's be brutally honest. We all expect this bank Hamilton, right? I, I think that's coaching jargon, right? That you might find in one of these books, right? How to spank a team, but yeah, it means you know, JR can go relatively strong knowing that he can, and this speaks to the wider part right so I'm not being hypocritical when I say for me by and large I if somebody said to me do you get out the group or you've got a 20% more chance of winning the title if you don't get out the group well stuff your Europa yeah, yeah. group yeah. right I want, I want to win the title there's no two ways about that it's unequivocal so I'm not being a hypocrite when I say oh 
you know, Hellander comes in for the important game, but can we rest players for Hamill? What I mean is, we have a depth of squad that means I don't expect any drop in quality between being able to put out a strong team to play against a strong Benfica side and try and get a result, and then come back and put out a strong enough team to absolutely trounce Hamilton. I don't think we're in the position anymore. Even up to last season, we were, whereby it was some players having to play both of those games consistently, a lot of them. Mm. Now you can look at, let's say, Alfie gets to start against um, Benfica because he'll maybe rough them up a bit more, right? Um, I'm not entirely convinced with the Barker thing, to be honest with you, Willie, right? But <laughs> let's let's say Morelos does, right? And then when you come back here, that means you've got the option of against Hamilton, Roof or Itton could could do the leading the line stuff. Um, and then you've Defoe. got... I, or, or Defoe, yeah, exactly. Who dropped out my thinking there, so thank you for reminding me. Or you go with Barisic against Benfica and he puts in a shift. You know you can go to Bassey. That's uh, what you, I was meaning, you know, you play like Sigurd Barisic's against yeah. Benfica and then... Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah, I, I do agree with your, I do agree with your premise, uh, just just not with you misquoting me, you've been warm, <laughs> Douglas, right? Um, but yeah, so you do all that and then it's you, you go through the squad, so I agree with Willie's premise as well that I think Kamara and Jack will absolutely come in, so all the, the fans who say the two of them can't play in the same team, um, might have been the same people that say that Lampard and Gerrard couldn't play in the same England team, but you know, they'll come in. Personally, I think uh, Aribo or Arfield, possibly both, will be in there as well. The only question in my mind is Aribo's fitness yeah. uh, at this moment in time. Although I do think you're right with the Hadji thing. Mm. Um, yeah, but then you come back to Scotland and you can still pack out that that team. And yeah. we've just totally binned people in our thinking, guys like mm -hmm. Greg Stewart and all that. They mm -hmm. just don't even show up. He's not near the team, Tommy. He's not yeah, The only thing I can guarantee is in both... Benfica and the Hamilton game, Jordan Jones won't play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be isolating, to be yeah. fair. Right? Well, there you go. That was my, that was my take. Um, put money on it. Um, bye. I, 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 I think we've got a strong enough squad that mandates that we can play both games really strongly without expecting to drop either the level of performance or any points in either. Well, well not any points because Benfica's going to be difficult and they could very well beat us. But not put the Hamilton game at risk is what I really mean. There mm -hmm. we go. Long way round the barn, but I got there. Right, eventually. well, Tommy, give me a prediction for the Benfica game. Two each. Two each, Wally? Yeah, I was going to say the same. I, I do think it'll be a, a decent scoring game. I think if we can be very good defensively, we might steal a 2-1. But yeah, I think it could be 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go 1-0 Rangers. There you go. That's, I, I go 1-0 Rangers every week. Why not? Oh, right, and go. listen, just to very quickly, gentlemen, to finish off. Well, you need right. to ask Willie about the, the Hamilton game. Get, get uh, our Hamilton predictions. I'm just about to. I'm coming yeah. to that. Just reminding you. Very quickly, just to finish off. Yeah, I was just reminding you. It was going to be dead smooth there, there, Tommy. Well, he didn't sound like he was going to do that there. Back oh, absolutely did. Listen to the pod. Listen to the pod when it comes out, available on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash SSI or wherever you get your podcast from. But Thomas, I'm Ham sorry, host. My apologies for interrupting. No, no, you keep interrupting me, but and I, and I want to get finished now because I've got a steak. I keep coming right back every week just to do it. <laughs> Thomas Hamilton and Sunday, listen, you get a win against Command, the much needed win. It's a simple case of we have to win. And we oh, have yeah. to, and actually, sorry, I should actually add that. Does there have to be a good performance in there as well? I'm, I'm glad you got there because I was just about to say you didn't ask me a question. Um, so so we'll, we'll, call, we'll call Martin. I don't like, always have to ask questions, do I? Yeah, I can see you tough for yourself. <laughs> um, uh, no, actually, no. I'd love a performance and I'd love six goals and, you know, Hamilton staff crying on the sidelines and all that kind of stuff, right? Although I quite like Brian Rice, I have to say, right? But mm -hmm. um, no, I'll take the three points and no injuries. That's, that's all I care about at this point. Right, just run me the three points between now and May, and I really don't care if it's straight to bargain bin DVD performances. Right, just give me those three points. I'm a glutton for three points. Right, um, but yeah, a host of goals would actually be nice as well. But there we go. And I won't give you my prediction because I feel that I did Benfica first, so Willie should go first on that. All right, Willie, give me your prediction and your thoughts for the game. Yeah, well, I would like to think that we'll score a couple of goals and win the game, maybe three or four. I would like to think that we're good enough to do that against Hamilton. They've shipped a lot of goals recently. Yeah, they're not playing you know, So if they're shipping goals like that against St. Johnson and Aberdeen, then we should be looking to do similar. Um, it'll be interesting just to see the changes. 
I would imagine the manager, if he doesn't use like Roof or Ritten, there's a possibility you might even start with two of them. Mm. You know, because um, I think Roof is more suited to playing as a seven or an eleven or a ten, as whereas Ritten's probably better as a nine. So, I mean, possibly you could even play freedom. You know, you could play Defoe, Roof and Ritten. What's to stop you? I mean, mm. you're at Ibrox, you're at home, you're against Hamilton, who are conceding a lot of goals. Why would you not go for it? You know, and it gives you an opportunity to look again at Bassey, to potentially look at, well, I was going to see Edmonton, but he's obviously not going to be there, kind of thing. You know, because, it, I mean, that's a daft thing. There was genuine opportunities for somebody like Edmonton to come in over yeah. the coming weeks and get some minutes with the cup starting and things like that. But, you know, with that, it'll be interesting to see if he starts Balligan on Thursday, because I think he might start Balligan ahead of Hellander because of the pace against Benfica. So I think you might find it might be goals in Hellander against Hamilton. Um, Prediction, Molly. I've got a steak pie in the oven. I'll, be, I'll, <laughs> I'll go for four nothing to Rangers. Four nothing, Thomas. Um, do you know what? I say I talk myself down from the ledge every week, and I'm going to say five nil. <laughs> and now I think of it as well, it might steak be a pie, game. Thomas. Steak pie. Yeah, well, it might be a. Um, oh, Willie, what was that thing again? Let's let's <laughs> <this out>, <laughs> <laughs> it might be a game for a default to come in, actually. Yeah. Um, I think that's maybe maybe his um, where he gets his minutes for the rest of the season, that type of thing. That's maybe a good shout. Hey, well, I'm going to say 1-0, Rangers. There you go. Um, I always say 1-0, and there's my camera cut off. So that is the perfect time <laughs> to say, Tommy, William, thank you very much. Thank you very much to everybody listening and watching, and we shall speak to you next week. <laughs>